Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes. October 1st, we smash it 10 yards tonight. A buck we call Pickles. A south wind pushing us back to the zag. Better stand on our backs. Set it Set it out and see what happens. You want it? Huh? That's air going out of me. Absolutely drilled in. And boom, you said good buck. We'll get my buck, and then we're gonna go get homie's buck. Urban, urban piece as hell. Got him. Pickles is dead. Kevin Gates, both kills on hanging hunts. My first public land buck. Nice work, dude. Triple brow on the right. I'm digging that. Fucked out October 28th. An absolutely incredible season. Here we go. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Gently coming in your ear holes on this beautiful Wednesday. Um, was going to come hard this time, but I think I'm going to come soft. I'm going to switch it up <laughs> on you guys. Coming in, coming in soft and slow. Um, we're talking about three bucks, same year. Two different states, all bow kills, all public land, all off scrapes in this episode. We're talking to Austin Stone. Dude's breaking scrapes down scientifically and having some really good success. Um, check out his YouTube um, and his TikTok if you're on there. Um, a lot of lot of good content he's putting out. Um, and it's, uh, like I say, he's just a personal trainer, a normal dude out there absolutely slaying on scrapes in, in October and, and early November there. So um, let's get into the people that make this possible. We're going to get in the show. I'm going to start off with Ride On Optics this week, guys. Um, on their website, uh, rideonoptics.com, you can actually print out a catalog, like catalog that used to get in the mail, like, you know, the, the gun, the gun catalog, the Sears catalog. They actually <laughs> have a printable catalog. It has every product that they have, um, the price, what, what you know the specs of it and uh it's kind of hard to go through 
a website these days because I people try to spice up their websites a lot, you know. I mean, and, and I get they're trying to make it look nice and cool and add photos, but sometimes you just what what the shit is, you know. You just want to be like, all right, I'm looking for this scope. What's the specs? And you can print that catalog and get everything that you need. Um, and everything that they are backed by, they they sell is backed by that lifetime warranty. You can break it. Your kid can break it. Your dog can break it. Your wife can break it. You can drop it off a mountain. It's covered. Lifetime warranty. Um, literally um, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And you're not getting a replaced scope or replaced binos. You're getting brand new binos. Um, so my binos, kids broke them. Um, so I'm definitely going to be getting um, some new right on binos and just buy once, cry once. Absolutely. Old people used to say that. And I was like, ah, it's bullshit. Buy the cheap stuff. Make it work. <laughs> buy once, cry once, just buy it and, and get it over with. So what you got over there, brother? All right, guys, jumping right into Exodus. Um, congratulations to them guys as a company. They have made it seven years. So congrats to them. And on top of them, um, making it seven years, they're going to do another um, deal for you guys. So pay attention here. Um, got another awesome deal from our friends over at Exodus. So if you're somebody that's been following them guys for the last seven years, you've been hung up on trying one of their reliable, dependable, um, borderline bulletproof trail cameras, um, this is for you. Starting right now until June 13th, you're going to be able to use the code YEAR7. That's just YEAR with the number 7, one word, no space, to save 20% off the entire Exodus website. This is going to include the borderline bulletproof Exodus render, any render bundle, and the SP18 solar panel. Also dropping out some new merch. In case you guys aren't familiar with the um, Exodus line, uh, the Verizon 4G LTE camera comes with some of the fastest transmission times in the industry that uh, we've talked about here on here before, actually. And their user interface is absolutely easy to maneuver through. Um, also, if you're interested with the Exodus Advantage, um, I got three things for you guys here. Five-year no BS warranty, five-year theft and damage coverage, and the best-in-class customer service. Um, very three key bullet points there. So now's the time to get into an Exodus render and do yourself a favor and start running the most dependable cell camera out there. So over the last seven years, obviously Exodus has shown that they've built quality products that flat out work. And, uh, they're now excited to announce a new limited product offering for archery hunters. But, um, you're going to have to sign up for that Exodus newsletter that we've talked about a few times leading up to this to, uh, learn about them details. So get over to ExodusOutdoorGear.com and give the Exodus guy some support and uh, make sure to lock in those savings for 20% off an Exodus render, a render um, SP18 bundle, or just a solar panel itself between now and June 13th with the code YEAR7. It sounded like Joe Rogan over there. Did it? Man, back. hell yeah. Oh, there we go. Getting crushed. somewhere here. Select blinds. <laughs> just joking <laughs> we need a bidet company to sponsor this yeah, show yeah. is what we need you gotta read an ad for anything, bro. <laughs> uh moving right into next level deer supplements guys um velvet season is going to be coming up also i forgot to mention there velvet fest for the exodus crew is going to be launching in july so that's coming up around the corner and um next level deer supplements is right in the game here uh i was thinking about this today actually about um we got pregnant does getting ready to drop bonds and um, 
having those on the ground already. Yeah, I know having them having the um, them does a step ahead and having that um, nutrition being the most bioavailable ingredients that uh, they can use is really um, you know getting them fawns off on a great start and uh, you know just healthier healthier herd. So. If you guys are looking to get into that, uh, you can visit their website at nextlevelwithdeer.com. And as always, they're looking for dealers. You can run this right out of your own garage and um, really, really spread the love there. So that's all I got. That's one thing I was, I was, uh, me and my boy were talking about fawns dropping, Mm. you know, and he was like, how do they stay away from the coyotes and stuff like that? And I was explaining to him, you know, the process that nature gave them to be able to, to hide and, uh, I was thinking, man, like, man, if we could feed, if you, you can get those spawns just bigger, quicker, you know, more nutrients, better milk, how much more fawn live rates you would have, you know, if the, if it's, if it's bigger, quicker, faster, you know, a week earlier than it would be without, without mineral and without supplements, mm-hmm. like that might save a 170 before you even knew what you had. Yeah. You know, right. It's just, it's just crazy. The option everything that that can do that you're not even thinking about all the little added benefits that when you really break it down you're like shit he could even do this if we could feed here because uh i was telling him like you know it's really important and he was like why don't we never see him and i was explaining like they don't come out very much because they're so small and fragile like if a mom has to search for food a lot and is leaving that fawn by itself when it it's got the best nutrients 50 yards at a feeder away it's not leaving mm. that pond but the chance of survival rates that much better so i just want to throw that out there something that me and my boy were talking about just the other day maybe i was thinking about next level mm-hmm. so uh you got anything else no no i don't all right man let's get into the show i hope you guys enjoy this um i really enjoyed this episode and uh get me fired up to for that october time period that a lot of people are looking forward to so all right, we got Austin Stone coming in your guys' ear holes. How's it going tonight, brother? Good about yourself. Doing great. Uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Um, appreciate you reaching out to us. We love hearing stories like you, and you're the type of guy that we want to talk to. Um, you know, the normal guy that's just absolutely out there smashing. And uh, you were able to kill three bucks in one year, all on public, uh, all self-filmed, bow kills over scrapes so uh props to you on an absolute badass here a season and uh, i'm excited for the listeners to uh to hear this story i actually watched the story on your youtube channel there um but go ahead and give the listeners a brief introduction of who you are and then we'll get right into this yeah i appreciate you having me on i'm excited to chat with you guys and share the story so my name's austin stone i'm from kansas city missouri um, I actually work as a personal trainer down here, working in the fitness industry and currently chasing a dream in the hunting industry is what I'm working on now. So um, this past year, I was just amazing. I couldn't have asked for a better season, that's for sure. But everything kind of built on itself with, you know, um, season's worth of data and the postseason scouting kind of all came together so kind of give you you want me going on into my stories here yeah go ahead and go right into your story like i said you got three bucks all on public um just go ahead and break them down one by one and then like i said at the end we'll uh 
we'll kind of break down the stories more individually and ask questions. Sounds good. So the first buck I shot here in Missouri, um, leading into him, I shot him and my Iowa buck middle, middle of October. I want to say my nine point was that October 15th time, right around that time for time frame. Um, I was moving into the season, just keeping track of past sign that I found during this, during my postseason scouting a little bit of um, previous years as well. Um, this property in particular, I hadn't hunted a lot of, I hunted a little bit the late season, the previous season before I shot him. Um, but I was having trouble finding scrapes here at the beginning of October. Things were kind of a little bit slow. And so I just kind of kept moving and trying to find the fresh sign. And I just so happened to um, come across some super fresh sign on this river bottom property. It was all canoe access. And these big scrapes, this were about a, really about a 200-yard um, distance from each other. There was really no other scrapes I was finding on property. I was having trouble finding a lot of scrapes on other properties as well because I, I move around a lot from property to property, so I don't overhunt one or another. But I found this fresh sign. I knew it had to be a decent deer, of some, at least a mature deer. So um, I had a cold front coming later that week. So I went ahead and just held out to that cold front hit and moved in on those fresh scrapes. This is a, a tree I'd never hunted before, so I had to get in real early, um, paddled in, got set up, you know, early in the morning and just waited it out. Pretty windy all day, so the deer movement was pretty sporadic, and um, you could tell they were really on edge. But I was hoping that 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 drop would come at the end of the day and it did the wind speed wind finally died off for me at the end of the day and he actually came in with with two or three other bucks and competing for this scrape it was it was crazy i hadn't seen actually sparring by a good deer really quite that early in the season before he came in chasing these little deer around and man he just he gave me that perfect 10 yard shot right on this scrape so it was it was a lot of fun to watch. And then um, he, the other bucks really weren't sure what happened or what happened. So they just kind of stuck around and they, they continued scraping. They continued kind of sparring with each other a little bit for the next, you know, five to 10 minutes. And um, I knew that deer was, was down. So I just kind of waited for them to move off and I can go down and, and get him. So that was just it happened so fast you couldn't really see him coming in it just next thing you know there you were <laughs> so it, it was just the after that i knew i had an idea i wanted to go up and try to find that sign again in iowa i knew the, the fresh the scrapes were just becoming fresh with those big mature bucks so i figured i had a shot right before the hunting pressure really picked up on those public lands and so I, I got that nine point out and got, got him taken care of it immediately ran up to Iowa. And I had an idea about how these deer were using this pro property from some, from spring cat spring scouting, um, that year. So I wanted to get in there. I just wanted to find what was fresh and I did, I ended up spooking a really decent deer, probably a hundred yards from where I ended up 
setting up and hunting for the week. And um, there was, the, again, the only part of the property that had scrapes. Everything else was, was pretty dry. There weren't any scraping going on. On other areas, we were finding scrapes during our spring scouting. So right when I found these scrapes, and these are big, massive scrapes and freshly used, so I knew I needed just to go ahead and set up on them and, and wait it out. So um, it stayed a little warm for most of the week. I did have an encounter with a really dandy buck on day two. He just never came in and gave me a shot. Um, and then my, my guy came in at first light, you know, on day five, came in working the scrapes. He worked all the way down that tree line down that ridge at the at the edge of that crp field and came right into that scrape i was set up on and and gave me a perfect broadside shot so again you know 10 yard shot is crazy man <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy <laughs> so so i was here in missouri you know we can't use our second buck tag until um opening weekend a rifle so we i I stayed out of my stayed out of my spots. Didn't want to put any unneeded pressure on them that I, since I wasn't really hunting it. So once it got to, I kept. We went to do our deer camp, and then I went back to this property. I was keeping tabs on this. Is the property I'm talking about for my 170. Um, been keeping tabs on it through early October. Just wasn't finding any fresh sign, and I went back there to check it out. And lo and behold, some of the biggest rubs I've seen on that property really in a couple of years I've been scouting it. And some of the bigger rubs I've seen in Missouri, period. I mean, they're crazy. Super fresh scrapes exactly where they should be. Tree stand was already set up perfectly where it needed to be. And they were hitting those scrapes like I was expecting them to start using it. So finally got some fresh sign, had a cold front coming. So I ended up putting the gun down and picked up my bow since this is an archery only, archery only spot, picked up my bow and hit that cold front. Actually had, I shot him at last slide. It was, it was getting, it was pushing it. He, he didn't have much time left before I wasn't able to get a shot on him, but he came by very last light, worked out perfect. And um, he was chasing some does. And the cool part, man, um, I actually had an encounter with um, an even bigger deer about mm -hmm. an hour, hour and a half before that. And, I mean, this is a giant. They had big old non-typical. Um, and then this guy came in. So non-typical was going up this trail. And then at about an hour later, this dude that I ended up shooting came down this trip, down the same trail. So obviously there's a pretty good artery there and those does were using it all day. So um, again, high wind day and right when the wind broke, I got a shot. So he was, he was a 20 yard shot last light. And you set, your, you set yourself up for some, you know, some success getting in there tight to those scrapes. We actually had people last year say we were too tight on the scrape and uh, we ended up killing that same night. You know, we were kind right. of hung we were hung within 10 yards of it and, and end up killing that, that exact same night. So, um, yeah. there's no right way to do it. The right way to do it is, you know, how you kill them. But, uh, one thing I want to mention was that, that not on the video, that non-typical, you got a shot of him walking away there and man, he had flyers and 
a split. He had a lot of stuff going on. It would have been really man, cool to get a good, good close shot of him. Man, he had, he was big, real big. So he, he had some junk going on, man. He yeah. that was an impressive deer. Yeah. So I mean, you also had a couple other small bucks going through there. So you know that you can look forward to that spot this this year. Does you know there is one giant that is in that area using it. Um, but yeah, he was, he was definitely huge and seems like you're going, you know, you're in season scouting a lot. So kind of what's your routine for, for checking these scrapes? Are you bebopping properties weekly during season every three days or how, how are you going about that? So I would say weekly, um, I, I base it really around weather and my, my hunting schedule, um, here in Missouri, I like to keep tabs on, you know, about four or five properties, honestly. And then going into property, I'll have a top three kind of picked out that I know are based on my spring scouting. Spring scouting is really where I put the plan together and then I find what's fresh in season. So the, the last thing I want to do is be stumbling around during season actually trying to find these honey holes and find where i need to hunt where i've already got these locations pegged the only thing i'm doing now is i'm is i'm hitting my my scent control as perfect as i possibly can um i wear i wear scent lock and ever since i've been using it correctly i, I trust that stuff and have seen a significant difference in in my sightings overall so i'll hit my scent control and all i'm going to do is i'm just going to go straight to those specific spots see if they're fresh and get out basically is what, is what i'm doing and if they're fresh i either figure out okay is the tree that i originally thought would be a good setup still good or do i need to find a secondary tree you know you know how they shift you know they could shift 10 to 20 yards and you not get a shot in that original tree. So do I need to shift trees at all? Is then what would I figure out right then at that time? But my goal is to actually spend as little time as possible on site during season and then come in during a cold front and hunt it. That's a good strategy. Are you on those spots? Are you just looking, there's scrapes here in the past you know, you see the old sign, um, or are you making a mock scrape or what are you doing there? It's all old sign. It's all, it's all sign that I found during my, um, spring scouting. So I'll find the more primary scrapes on the property. I'll find the bit bigger ones, the ones that the areas that have more than just one scrape kind of going for them, you know what I mean? And when I find those scrapes and I'll figure out, all right, where's the feed tree or the pinch point or the converging in all the trails? Where, where exactly is most of the, what tree basically are most of the deer walking by in that specific spot? And if I'm, if I'm 10 yards from a scrape or I'm 30 yards from a scrape, it really kind of depends on that as well. And also you got to take into consideration concealment because, you know, self self filming, I can't just be, you know, 15 feet in a tree, it's <laughs> just trying to just hanging out there. So got to find some good, a good tree to set up on, but I do everything I can to put myself in a position 
to for a kill so I'll, if i gotta get if i gotta monkey my way up the tree i'll do it <laughs> yeah I, I i like how you said you know um if you you gotta be where the deer are gonna be or what tree they're walking by you don't necessarily have to be on that scrape um just to say that you killed them on that scrape like if you killed them 50 yards going to that scrape like i'd say you killed them going to that scrape you know um 100%. cody's buck yeah. is jay hooking around us like didn't really kill him on the scrape but he was coming in to check it you know mm-hmm. um and go ahead and some and so sometimes those big, big mature bucks you know during the day they may just wind check those scrapes and may not even check them in person you know, if he wants to hang up in that thicker stuff, you know, 30, 40 y- yards away, I want to be over there in that thicker stuff, 30, 40 yards away where he's hanging up. That's a great you point. You know what I mean? Um, how close are these scrapes um, to, to doe bedding? Like the the scrapes that we have our most success off of are really close to doe bedding, and we get a lot of does throughout even the course of midday. Um, coming in there and hitting them scrapes, whether it be while we're hunting or even on cam um, there. And those seem to be the really surefire scrapes that um, we get a lot of activity on and, and most of our hunting success. It's it's the exact same way for me. Um, the best scrapes I found are right, right on doe bedding. I mean, usually I see deer activity all day, all through the middle of the day. And... Um, you know, I'm thick, I'm closer to some thicker cover. I'm usually always on oaks. I, I only ever f- find these best scrapes right around those main oak trees. Um, this, this scrape in particular, I shot this one 70 off of is a big white oak where the ridges had predominantly some burr oaks and red oaks, where this is one of the main white oaks actually in that area. And it just so happened that most of the deer movement kind of converged in on this particular tree. Um, so you, you got these scrapes here close to doe bedding. I would say our really good ones are, you know, 40 to 60 yards, really tight in there. Um, how far off the edge are you, though? Um, ours are usually about 60 yards in off the edge seems to be like the sweet spot where they just kind of, um, and they're hanging around and, and feel comfortable about that far in off the edge. So how far are your scrapes that you uh, were hunting here? Um, like, are you talking about into doe bedding? No, like off the edge of the field, like into the timber. Oh, I'm, I'm smack dab in timber, basically. You're so, deep. so the, yeah, so I, I'm deep. Um, I'll tell I'll, I'll take that back. Actually, the my Iowa buck was the one, one buck that was right off the CRP field. Honestly, that scrape was probably 10 yards off the CRP. And that, that's the closest like I'll ever hunt to a field. And, and um, I can't imagine. In, in, in Missouri, I haven't had a whole lot of luck hunting that close to a true open field like that where there in, in Iowa, of course, out, this field was, you know, five, six feet tall grass. So they, they had plenty of cover, cover yeah. moving through. Yeah, moving through that field. They were passing through that field all day. And, you know, the does were hitting this corner, the the point on this ridge here. And this that was the closest to a field I'd actually hunt. Um, the the nine point in Missouri, that, that was more along a, a right away where I had, uh, ditch right behind me, like 
right right next to the tree. I was less than five yards from the water. And then um, actual super thick bedding cover, may, maybe 15 yards across the right of way. So that there wasn't a whole lot of space, open space for them to be in the open. That they, they were pretty well covered. And then one the, thing the, I the like one that you're uh, in the one thing I like that you're doing is um, just so a lot of the listeners, you know, some of them. I actually talked to one this week, and he just got into hunting. And he's like, "Man, I'm learning so much." Um, but in my mind, I'm thinking as people that are really engaged, you really know what they're doing. But uh, I like that you're not just finding a hot scrape and hunting it. You're finding these areas that you know are good. Then you're finding the scrape. Cause I feel like a lot of people are going out there, man, the scrapes tore up. Maybe it's a field edge scrape. Maybe it's 10 yards, 10 yards off the field edge scrape. They don't have a lot of history with the area. There's not really any other things tying them to this area other than, man, there's a giant scrape here. It looks like it's getting hit like crazy. And it's all nighttime activity on that scrape. When I first started hunting, I made the mistake a hundred times of hunting that area, thinking that a buck was going to come when more than likely that buck was, you know, not even close to there. That's what he hit at midnight or 1 a.m. or, you know, but you have to find these areas and you're spring scouting that will hold these deer during the daylight, then find the scrapes. That's the key. Like, find a doe bedding area that is thick enough that you think, okay, there would be a buck that would use this during daylight hours. Okay. Now here's a scrape or find a bedding area that, okay, this is close to buck bedding area. Okay. Here's a scrape that I think he would actually hit during daylight. So that's, that's where I think you're having your success on scrapes where a lot of people don't have the success on scrapes and they kind of, they're hunting a field edge scrape. They don't see much and they kind of chalk it off as a tactic that doesn't work for them. Yeah, and and you, you know, there's there's so many different scrapes in the woods. I mean, you're gonna find them all over the place, especially you know, come November, the woods the woods are littered with scrapes. But um, the, those big bucks aren't gonna make that, aren't gonna hit those most of those scrapes during daylight. So you know, why would that buck hit that scrape during daylight? What would be his reason for actually coming by, by that scrape? during daylight so that that's why i like to just like you said find the the areas i'd locate these areas where the deer are actually holding up during daylight and then figure out where to hunt them after that where, where i can precisely get in and feel good about being in bow range of a decent deer homie this this makes me think about that uh south public land scrape line we found in 2020 mm -hmm. that we didn't hunt man what a what a mistake that was yeah probably uh my next question kind of ties into that and that was the, this is the spot i was thinking about um also on the one that we normally hunt but you had mentioned uh, uh i don't know if it was the first buck that came in but the one that was working the the really big scrapes like the big ass car hood um scrapes that you find is do you see a lot of deer working that like i feel like our success on them giant ass scrapes just is isn't there like you think it would be like you see you know them just tearing it up but we, we don't have the success or you know even really um 
much camera intel on them giant scrapes. And mm -hmm. I was just wondering with, with you seeing that, um, if that's something that you've seen in the past or um, any history to kind of make you lean that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I always lean towards the bigger, the bigger scrapes and more so the bigger scrapes, I lean more towards a congregation of scrapes. You know, you know what I mean? And also, I also kind of fill it out by property because each property is just a little bit different where I, I've the property where I shot my nine point, they didn't make big scrapes. They made little scrapes. And then that property up in Iowa, they made massive scrapes. So the big, the one thing that held true to both of those deer, though, is that there was a congregation of fresh scrapes at a fresh food source close to Betty is really what, what held true to each one, one of those. And, and the bit biggest thing, too, is that I wasn't finding scrapes on the rest of the property yet. So that those were kind of the first scrapes that opened up. So it was that middle of October where the fresh the fresh sign just was starting to open up. I would feel comfortable hunting a spot like that. It's back in the cover. You got a fresh food source, you know, with mass trees and all that you, they'd possibly be hitting during daytime. And and I'd be comfortable hitting that with a cold front and, and see, seeing what happens. I mean, that's a good bet. I'd be put some good money on taking that bet. And, you know, if I don't see a shooter that day, then I keep, I keep working. So. Um, One thing I also like that you said that I feel like podcasts are giving away so much that knowledge to people that are just beginning or the stuff that you've heard from like the celebrities talk about, but talking about that October 15th, the 20th range where it's supposed to be the October lull bucks aren't supposed to be moving there's way less pressure on public land we see it um there's like nobody out there in october like literally no one and then the rut hits and everybody's out there <laughs> everybody's um, out woods but that that time frame right there on scrapes has been some of our best success i mean even on trail cams we get a lot of early scrape activity early october mid-october um the week before I actually shot my buck, that scrape was literally on fire. Yeah, you, you throw know? a cold front in there in that time frame. Holy yeah. shit! Yeah, yeah. I, and the you know you look at what has been talked about before podcast, before normal guys could talk, where people could listen in the past. Don't even hunt this time of year. You know, right. take a break, get ready for the rut. The bucks right. aren't moving. Don't burn out your good spots. Like they were telling people to do this because you know they could hunt these deer during the rut and know that no one else had a shot at them mm -hmm. for guys like us this is your shot to get a shot at this deer where you it's pretty much you out there all alone like this is yeah. your shot to rip on him before everybody gets out there but the people that were spreading this knowledge in the past were on a giant farm and was saying hey don't burn this deer out hunt him in the rut when he's more likely to daylight well for us and, that's really yeah. not the best option though the best option is cold front in october or you Go know you got a hot scrape in october that's when you need to strike don't wait yeah. don't wait until the rut no and and you know and and like if you're hunting the, those big farms where you can control the hunting pressure and you can control the access that's not wrong you know you know and yeah. maybe even for, for them if they held out a little longer they could end up 
you know, adding 10 to 15 inches onto a different deer that showed up during the rut hitting those same scrapes. Where for us, if we wait those next two weeks, if we wait one week, you get some guy in there that completely blew out your spot and your spot may not be right for a couple weeks or or it may not be right for the rest of the season. I mean, he could have blown, depending on how bad the intrusion was, you could lose your spot for the whole year. Yeah, we've seen it where it's been burned out. um, And we've also seen it where I personally think we burnt it out just mm-hmm. by going in there so it's a fine line you got to walk but don't and that's, don't just listen to that content of don't hunt in october there's nothing moving i i know guys that still do that to, to this day yeah. they're like well what are you hunting in october i'm bugged out and people are starting to hunt <laughs> like <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's possible you know <laughs> like that people are just starting to get the swing of things and i'm bucked out like it's yeah it's possible to yeah. kill them out there well i was gonna say like i, I did this year I, I put two bucks down before most people were even hitting the woods yet mm-hmm. so <laughs> in, in that seven day, day period and i mean i i i always put in quotations the lull that the, the lull just meant, means they're not hitting your soybean fields during daylight like they were all summer. Yeah. They're, they're in the ridges and they're back in the thick stuff. So, I mean, the, but they're just as patternable. And uh, honestly, uh, probably a little bit more since you got some scrapes to work off and they're starting to fire up the testosterone and, and get a little, think, get ready for I the think rust. the lull was, uh, you know, kind of made out of bucks leaving, you know, leaving an area. Yep. Oh, yep. where the buck go? Where he actually went to his fall range finally, and you think he's just not daylighting anywhere. And then, like you said, pressure. People start hunting a little bit, and they pressure the deer. And that they the deer know they know. Like right now, you could go out anywhere at noon, and there's a deer out in the field eating. You're like, what in yeah. the hell? Like you're the easiest thing to kill right now ever. <laughs> But even a doe, like you go out to Oak Run, they're just everywhere. Like noon, one, you know, with no, no matter what time of the day, they're just out there feeding because they know they can. But during season, absolutely not. Like sunset is when they're out there feeding. It's just they they know just just like, you know, the testosterone comes and they're probably like, oh, shit, I got to chill because I'm hard horn now and I'm endangered. Like they, they know. That's yeah. That's another reason I think so many people kill velvet bucks is like they still think that they're some genetic way they got velvet so they're safe. Like they don't understand that people are coming after them as, as hard, you know? <laughs> right, right. But, but I, yeah, moved in. I think there's just a lot of uh, shit changing in, in that time frame of October. The crops are coming out. The acorns are falling. Like a lot of shit's changing really fast, even day to day, let alone week to week on the normal shit that we get to hunt. And what happens is you just get behind in the game. You know, you've had all season prepping and you're, you're going in and then shit starts changing rapidly there at that time frame. And you get, you get behind on your plan. So I I think that that also leads into it uh, on top of what um, you guys were saying there. And, and that, that's where if you did, a good enough job in your postseason scouting you're you're there you're there waiting for them to show up you know what i mean yeah. so you, you know you you're hunting your spring i mean early season patterns and you know if you've done your postseason scouting property properly and you got cameras set up and your tree stands already there 
you're just waiting for him to show up. Yeah. And then he just got to put, and then, then once he shows up, you just wait for a cold front and you go get him. That That's exactly what we did with Magnum. Like we just know yep. the third to last week of October, he's going to be showing up and we got him we'll like four days early the, the last year, yep. you know, we, we were just, we had to wait for that shift to happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. So something about they, them knowing, knowing where a doe group is, they want to go see or something. But another thing that I like that you keep mentioning is you're, you know, you mentioned your spring shouting, but you're saying I'm scouting in the spring and during season, but I'm relying on the postseason data. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing we do. Homie, I took the boys fishing out of Snakedon last night and absolute giant out there dude like <laughs> magnum where where i know no giant deer because we've ran camter i know there's no deer there but mm. a guy would have seen that and been like oh shit i'm getting in there <laughs> you know i'm getting in there i'm like don't do it dude. don't Nobody, do it right I already had big giant split brows right? and giant beams i'm like that that's a that's rainer was like man that's a big deer i'm like yeah, he's just barely growing. You wow. Know? <laughs> wow. I was trying to think of what deer it would be, and I'm like, I have no idea. But in the just south of pickles, like, I'm like, okay, there's, there's nothing there. Like, yeah. during season, that's an open wasteland. You know, a guy was saying, <laughs> yeah. I'm coming back here in November, and he's springs, he's driving around there right now and sees a buck. That's a yeah. Canadian. Now he back in there with no yeah. intel. That might work. Don't count it out 100 percent, but don't weigh a lot of odds on what you see right now or even yeah. in the spring yeah you know you want to see what's happening right after you know that's why yeah. i love shed that much i love finding sheds but i also love walking property without the feeling of i am i'm literally messing up nothing right now i can just yeah. stomp all over this thing and i'm not gonna mess up anything that's the mm-hmm. best feeling when yep you're out there just like you're when deer season comes, you're pretty much a ghost that have been there. Get then. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why I think that, you know, postseason scouting January, February before shit greens up, like you go out there now and scout, it's going to be terrible. Yeah, trash. Well, yeah. And, and like, you know, I'm not th- this time of year, you know, I, I'm not trying to locate deer or anything. I mean, maybe Kentucky, you know, once it gets a little more into summer here, I might start throwing some trail cameras out and see if I can, if I had an early hunt like that, maybe try to locate an early season buck. But I know more than likely that buck's not going to be where I'm hunting on that particular property come fall. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking more for what they left me during the fall. And then I figure out what deer is there when the time comes. You know, yeah, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with driving around and trying to find a velvet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Roped into that. You know, you West Side. How hard did you get roped in on West Side? Out there in velvet, September 15th in July, (laughs) looking like an absolute beacon. Like daily in the same field. You're like, oh, this dude is dead. (laughs) Season comes. He's gone. Been hunted for five years. Yep. Still alive. That's two dude past our three year average. Face, like, still here, dude. Still alive. God. Still alive. We we, we probably got roped in hard on that deer, probably almost more than any other deer for a quick yeah. minute. Yeah. 
But yeah. just like you, just like we all, we kind of used to be. Like you, you get emotionally attached to the deer, and next thing you know, you're out there fucking up because yeah. you're you're emotionally attached and you're not thinking right. And that mm-hmm. deer's long gone. But yeah. you had a picture of him two weeks ago on a cold front with a southwest wind, <laughs> and here it is. It's prime yeah. conditions. I'm going in. You got to stop that shit. Can't yeah. you run, <laughs> you've been running a cam on it straight for three weeks, and he hasn't been there. You're like, oh, he's still here. Yeah, yeah. hitting the straight. You're like, yeah. no, he's not there. <laughs> he, he's gone. <laughs> right? Um, it's just the stuff that you have to learn through absolute just <sighs> – kicking your own ass that's the only way we learn how to do anything yeah you can't like learn it while you're in season going through it you always got to wait till the end of season and reflect back and look back and be like how many hunts did i waste i wasted an ass load on a ghost yeah Yeah, on a ghost (laughs) stupid yep Yep. i've done done that before (laughs) um circling back to uh one of your stories here with scrapes um you said that Opening weekend of Missouri Rifle, which uh, is like the second full week of November, usually, I believe. Yep. Um, yep. So we're talking like the 7th or so, the 9th, so somewhere in that time frame. A little, little around there. Into November, you know, a decent bit here. Uh, you said mm-hmm. Buck was still working a scrape there. Um, usually for us, not very many um, big bucks are working scrapes that time. They're... Um, Found a, found a doe by now and kind of yep. slowing down there. Um, have you seen very many bucks working um, scrapes in that time frame, or is it, do you kind of when do you start shifting off the scrapes uh, in in the hunting year? So so I, I the middle of November to end of November, I'm gonna start looking for scrapes again um, be, because once that buck breeds the doe and he moves off and he's searching again that's when he'll start making those scrapes again and i think that's where i found that this deer is he he moved off whatever doe he was on there at the beginning of november and whatnot and um and and i'm thinking he was just hitting those scrapes again in search in search of the uh more does and that's why i'm wondering if you'll if you look at at the video of that non-typical um I tried grunting him in, but it wasn't until I looked back at the footage that he was walking away with his ears pinned and his hair standing up on his back. And he was hit in the way the wind was blowing. He was upwind to me. So he was heading in the direction where my buck ended up coming from. And my buck was on a doe, pretty hard on a doe. So, so you wonder if he was actually heading that direction because he got scent of a hot doe there and, and that big mature buck that I ended up shooting. So you think that non-typical may, may have not been on a doe, but he was searching for it again for another one. Yeah. I like what you said there, you know, that, uh, later November timeframe, um, bucks are getting back on them scrapes and, it's not going to be like late October, like where there's scrapes, like you said earlier, littered everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just going to be yep. a few here, there, yep. hit and miss, um, pop up, and you. It'll kind of yep. almost catch you by surprise if you're out there walking around, um, if you're scouting, hunting, or you know, kind of like we do if you're going in on a hanging hunt or yep. something. You're scouting your way in. Um, it'll kind of throw you off guard because it's been you know three three weeks or so since you've maybe they got worked. You know, they've been off chasing and whatnot. So. Um, 
I do like that, and and we we've been preaching for five years on this show that Thanksgiving weekend yeah is when the big boys start getting really really silly, and everybody's you know if you got enough gumption out yeah. there you can you still got to keep running the cams and you still got to be out there doing your best mm-hmm. if you're still in the game, and uh, yeah. that weekend can for sure <laughs> change change your year and and that that's where you, you got to be very careful about what scrapes you look look for because they're only going to be hitting a few of the primary scrapes again. They're not going to scrape as widespread. Like you were saying, you know, end of October where they're really widespread scraping that they may only hit a few of those primary scrapes, but they're in key locations. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, they've been around with some, with some hunting pressure and all. So you got to be, be careful about where you're getting to and really figure out, find those spots that the deer are still holding up that maybe some hunting pressure hadn't pushed them out of yet and find those fresh, that fresh sign. Yeah. I feel like we've been talking about scrapes a bunch, but I think it's just such a, an incredible tool to utilize. Um, I feel yeah. like the people that have figured it out are really, really successful on them. And then I feel like some other people just haven't had the success, so they don't know how to do it, but they're hunting the wrong scrapes. I think there's two different yeah. ty- there's two different types of scrapes in my mind, right? There's the scrape that you want to hunt in October. That's the scrape that's close to some good a food source, close to buck bedding, mm-hmm. or you know, real tight to doe bedding. One or the other. That's yep. And then the rut scrapes. That's the community scrapes. That's the travel scrapes. That's the oh shit, this is firing up in this area. Go in there and hunt. Um, but like that's the later October. And then, like you said, during the middle of November, don't hunt the scrapes, man. We haven't had success. Not saying, you know, don't, don't do it at all, but we just haven't yep. seen the success. Get on the, yep. the doe bedding at that time of year. If you don't have a buck, an idea where a buck's at, get on mm. the doe bedding. Or if you love hunting field edges, that's the time of the year to hunt the field edge because you might get pulled out of there with a doe. We, yeah. Uh, we don't hunt field edges. I couldn't tell you the last time that we've hunted field edge, um, unless it's gun season, which is only a CRP field and not even a, <laughs> uh, like yeah. a corn field right. or a bean field. Yeah. I don't remember the last time that we've actually like hung on the edge of a field and, and hunted. I could think like six years ago when I was trying to kill the sunflower buck, like I, that was yeah. the edge of a field kind of shit. But other than that, like it's been, but like you said, every property is a little different. You said that earlier. Maybe you got bucks that are in the fields. You're listening to us, and you're like, "Shit, yeah. I see them out yeah. in the fields all the time." What we say is not the all, you know, the in it this in be it, all terms. It's just kind of what we what we see in our area. It sounds like your area is kind of the same as ours. Yeah, it is. And I mean, you know, every property, every hunt, and every property, I try to keep as as open mind as I can and just, and really just let the deer tell me where I need to be basically, because if they're in a spot that I haven't thought about, or I've completely looked over and then I come up on something, well, maybe I need to pay a little more attention to this. And maybe this is where he's at. So, um, I mean, you know, hunting public land, especially here in Missouri, like I have most field edges for me is a waste of time. So especially get getting into end of October and um, into November, that those deer getting pushed around so much that those deer aren't walking out 
and the, the big bucks aren't walking out there during daylight, you know, at least in spots that I've in most properties that I've hunted. But if I go to state or find a property that maybe isn't getting hunted as hard, maybe those deer are going to hold up a little closer to the field edge. I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> Every time I think about field edges, I think about that damn uh, Mr. Maybe out in that cloud. <laughs> every time i'm like don't hunt the field edge and then mr baby's out there just crashing does i'm like what is going on yeah. this thing in the daylight on a yeah. chisel plowed cornfield what is going on <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> oh but yeah like you said every every property is different man and you just gotta swing swing with whatever you got going on but man i really appreciate you coming on this has been an awesome informational podcast hopefully the listeners are thinking about some scrape areas that you know they want to either go check now or check you know in season and and see when they're firing up but that weekly check of you going in there and popping in be like okay this is not this ain't ready yet um i believe that's way better than wasting a hunt in that area uh yeah People think, oh man, I just want to stay out of there. But popping in there, and then, especially on yeah. public, they're probably used to people kind of popping in there and and coming out. You know, you got to think about, and then, you're not the yeah. only guy out there. So, yeah, and and I mean, it, it might not be every week that I actually check a property because I don't want to put that much pressure on my locations. So it really kind of depends on. Um, what the cold fronts are doing, you know, if I feel like this spot, if I get a, a decent cold front, you know, beginning, middle of October, maybe I go check it out and actually use it as a hunt, as a chance to actually get a hunt in and see what the deer activity looked like. Use it as kind of a, a scouting slash hunting trip there for a few hours and just see what happens. And, um, or, or I just haven't checked this, this particular spot and, you know, two weeks or three weeks depending on on where i've been hunting you know and i haven't been seeing a lot of sign i'm just gonna go pop in real quick and and seeing what's fresh so and you know if i'm running trail cameras that helps me as well yeah homie you got anything else before we wrap this up yeah i was just gonna say i was just sitting here thinking when you said two weeks like you haven't been there like I was just thinking, like, holy shit, like, in, in the course of a season, like, that's a long-ass time. That's half a month, you know? That's a sixth a of a year, you know? That's mm -hmm. definitely need to be yep. popping in there. And then I just thinking about, like, <clears throat> the public piece that we never hunted, Cody, like, shit in there for two weeks, like, pff, you know, <laughs> totally sleeping on that. Um, and then also, like, we had a guy with a – I don't even know if he had a climber on his back, but he's out there in blue jeans, literally walked the whole property, and then all our bucks are still there in, in daylight within two days after the guy literally walks the whole thing. Yeah. And Cody even talked to the guy, and then he's on <laughs> six of our cams out there. So, um, yeah. you know, just – Guy's an OG from Alabama. He's listening <laughs> yeah. to this. Dude put in – he hit so many of our cams. Dude, height, bro. Yeah, he was out I, there putting the I miles. I him out there. I, like, I was doing my uh, my drive-by, basically scouting parking lots and stuff. And I'm like, that's that dude. And I'm like, I'm going to go talk to him. He's like, yeah, up here two weeks from Alabama. I'm like, bro, you've been out here ripping it. And he's like, 
yeah, I was like, I got y'all trail camera all over. He's like, yeah, I see a lot of trail cameras out here. He's so like, like, yeah, it's back over here. It's instead of a mine. It's up over there. <laughs> yeah. Back in this corner over here. Like, yeah, we, we got you. We got you all over there, bro. Yeah. I feel so bad when he's walking in there. I'm like, dude, don't stop here. This oh, yeah. Shit. Don't, right. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> We've had a mobile cam in there. Two mobile cams in there for a month. There is nothing in there. <laughs> Keep going, bro. Yeah. <laughs> There's gonna be a, a time when the the cams like you can call you can talk to people and be like hey right. hey right. man keep no moving that's my shit and then you gotta believe like believe the guy or not like ah I don't know man talking <laughs> ultimate mind fuck right there like do I stay or go <laughs> yeah yeah you're like hey yeah guy with the climber on your back yeah don't hunt here I'd be like okay I'm gonna set up right here. Yeah. <laughs> Guy sitting on a 180 out there. Just yeah, let me know yeah. what time he's been coming in, man. Let me know. <laughs> Every time I get a notification, I'm like, all right, don't pull my SD card. Um, this is what intel you need to know, and it's 100% bullshit. Just lie to him. <laughs> right? Right? Y- yes, it says don't be a douche. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some trail cam company out there like, man, that's not a bad idea. Not bad. walking talkie Got a bunch of Boost Mobile phones out there. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Is that still a thing, the Boost Mobile phone? Yeah. I yeah. remember that come out. It was cool as shit, bro. I was like, man, just walkie-talkie, your buddy. You ain't even got to call him. Just hit him with the, with the walkie-talkie mode. Oh, shit. But. All right, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on and uh, chit-chat with us. I really enjoyed this episode. Um, got me really thinking about some shit I need to to line out in some areas and uh also gave me some more confidence of what what we're doing the way we've been hunting the last couple of years um we've had a lot of success and it's cool to see other people be successful the same way that just a normal guy like us so your videos and follow your page yeah absolutely so um instagram youtube um look up tactical approach outdoors um i've got Instagram, Facebook, I'm on TikTok as well, um, but I'm really pushing YouTube pretty hard here and up in my um, video frequency. And and like I said, you know, everything was this year was self-filmed. Most of everything I do is self-filmed and um, public land as well. And most of it all is all archery. So, um, yeah, that's, if you want to go back and check out those videos, that's you're more than welcome to. They are some. They're some pretty cool hunts. They turned out great. Yeah, I think I first seen you on TikTok. I think, mm. and then maybe Instagram, <laughs> and, and then yeah. YouTube. It's funny how my content has shifted away from Facebook and more to TikTok. I'm like, oh, there's, I, just, I, I, there's a lot of yeah, hunting I, content on TikTok now, man. When we first got on yeah, there, there was like none. nothing. Yeah, and now well, there's, there's a shitload, which is it's cool to is. see to see um, more of it on there. Yeah, and it's it's fun to get to actually you can actually reach and interact with new people where Facebook we weren't we weren't getting that opportunity to find new people just like you, you guys you know to chat with and interact with and and build those connections, you know, in the industry and all. So I, I've I've enjoyed what TikTok's opened up along those lines. Nice. Well, appreciate you coming on again and then chit chat with us. Absolutely, bud. Appreciate you. All right, guys, where we hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, Start thinking about those scrapes. Start thinking about how you're going to hunt those scrapes. Check those scrapes. Make a plan. Um, This is a tactic that we absolutely 
we believe in this 100%. We know too many people that have killed on these scrapes. And like you were saying, you might have a property that you can kill on a field edge scrape. I think about Garrett and Grant. They killed a bunch of bucks field edge scrapes. Mm -hmm. Their property, they can do that. Our property, um, it, it just isn't in the chips for us, you know. And um, sounds like Austin's kind of in the same way. He's had those deep timber scrapes just like we are. So yep. think about all these scrapes. Um, if you can, run a run an Exodus trail camera on them. Figure out when when these bucks are using these scrapes. If you don't have that option. Just like Austin said, get in there and uh, check when these things are hot and uh, make a move on them when, when they turn. Um, that time of year, you got to turn fast because like we were saying, when November hits, they're going to shut down on those scrapes and you're going to be hunting and thinking, no, what's going on? This thing was hot as hell, but short, like a nine-day window, 10-day window when they open up, when they close up shop. And if you're there, you've had the best hunt of the year. Um, if you're not... You, you missed you missed a shot so um really looking forward to that time of the year um get a lot of photo content on trail camps that time of year and we also have some really good hunts that time of year so um like always we love you guys uh, appreciate you tuning in uh, people are starting to think about whitetail a little bit more um if you're just tuning in for the first time we appreciate you listening all the way through we hope we can make this season the best that uh, you've ever had and um, hope keep bringing you content like this that you guys can absorb and maybe change your outlook on the season. Um, appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, love you guys. You got anything, homie? No, man, you're hitting it all in the head here. All right. Well, like we always say, uh, try to do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy, and Whitetail Legacy is out.